Hi there. Welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Alana here with Jamie. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm having so much fun. We're chatting about more just of the kind of common questions. I don't know if we're starting a mini series on accident. We might be, <laughs> but some of the most common questions about prayer, and it's so funny because we're over 200 episodes in and some of these topics we're like, I can't believe we haven't covered these yet. <laughs> yeah. And they're things that maybe we've talked or shared stories about, but not like directly addressed. So it's yeah. kind of fun. So today's episode is just some more common questions about prayer. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think all of these have come from conversations with our kids, right? A lot of them. Yeah. I think maybe and all of these. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because as adults, sometimes we're almost afraid to ask the basic questions mm-hmm. and it's sometimes easier <laughs> when it comes from a kid who doesn't have that baggage of like, oh, I should know this. Like, I had a woman at a church I used to go to who I really looked up to as like this powerful woman of prayer. And I think she kind of sensed that I was maybe putting her up on too much of a pedestal because she said something to me that was to the effect of like, prayer is one of those things where you think everybody's doing it better than you Mm -hmm. and you really don't know what you're doing, but the real secret is that's how we all feel. Mm-hmm. And so by really just getting back to some of the basics, and I, I mean, I don't want to say that today's are basic questions, but they're questions that as adults who have been praying for decades, we might not, we might choose to ignore because they're a little bit tricky. So these are almost like some of the tricky questions about prayer. Yeah, I like that because they are, they're questions that kids don't have any reason to feel like they should think differently exactly, or that they should already know this, you know, right. like, they should well, already know it. Sense. Or, yeah. Or yeah. I'm not being spiritual enough. If I ask this question, because exactly. of course everybody knows it's not like that. Exactly. Like yeah. I'm trying to think of any kind of real world example, but like, do you know the story of the, the woman who would like always cut off the butt of her roast? Mm-mm. Okay. So she's preparing a roast and she cuts off the end and her husband says, why are you doing that? And for the very first time in her life, she's like, well, actually, I don't know. I just, that's how my mom always did it. So the next time she's talking to her mom, she's like, mom, why do you cut off the end of a roast? And her mom's like, I don't know. Nobody's asked me before. That's how grandma always did it. And so they go to grandma and like, grandma, why do you cut off the end of a roast? It's like, oh, well, it didn't fit in my pan otherwise. <gasps> right. And so like, there are some things that we just kind of think are automatic <laughs> oh, or like that's questions. So good. Yeah. Like questions that we don't really think to ask, or we think that, yeah, if we do ask, we're silly. Like if we see everybody praying with their eyes closed, we're like, well, of course you pray with your eyes closed. And then the six-year-old is like, mom, why do I have to close my eyes when I pray? And you're like, bleh, 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 bleh. <laughs> you know, everybody's doing it. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm really excited for some of these questions um, coming from, yeah, the hearts of some really smart kiddos that we're raising. Mm -hmm. Well, go ahead with yours. So the first, yeah, go ahead with the first one. I like that. Yeah, this is a, a huge, huge one. So this came from one of my sons who is very, um, like love studying the Bible, loves chatting theology with his dad. It's like really, really into that kind of like the apologetic side and things like that. And we were talking about prayer. Well, he and my husband were talking about prayer and he's like, well, I don't really 
I don't pray a ton because like God already knows what's going to happen. So like, I don't really see a need to pray about it because the God already knows the future. Okay. That's, that's clear. That's truth. That's scriptural. That's like, that is a fact. God knows the future, but then we've get this paradox. Okay. So if God already knows the future, well then why, why pray really like why spend a ton of time worrying about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of my kids said something to the effect of if God already knows what you're going to do, isn't it like, we're just like robots, mm-hmm. you know, going through the motions, like it, you know, it's, yeah. and, and that kind of goes into predestination versus free will. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. So yeah. what do you think about that? If yeah. God already well, knows. Well, a does, does God always, so there are a couple of different things in that question that we kind mm-hmm. of brought out of it. So one is, does God already know what is, what the outcome is going to be? And I would say he absolutely does. Me too. I think that there's no question in scripture. Nothing comes as a surprise to God. Yep. God knows the end from the beginning. God knows every single minute detail. Like if he knows how many hairs are on my head today, he's going to know how many hairs are going to be on my head tomorrow. Right. right. So like that, I don't waver or question at all. And I feel mm-hmm. like somebody who takes the Bible at its word, um, probably cannot come away. I'm, I'm sounding heavy handed, but this is an area where like you can't read scripture and treat it as full and authoritative and come away saying, well, yeah, God doesn't know what we're going to do. God right. knows what we're going to do. He does. Um, God knows what's going to happen. But so first of all, that doesn't mean that our actions are pointless, right? Like, you know, the, the simulation question, right? Like let's, let's take it away from Christianity for a moment. The question is what if we're all like players in a video game or something like that, right? Like what if we're in this matrix sort of thing where the real world isn't really the real world? My answer to that is it makes absolutely no difference because in this reality that I experience right here today, my actions have consequences, and I have the power to improve my environment. So again, I know the Bible is real. So I know I'm not in a simulation. Even if I was, I'd be a hundred percent okay with that because I know that what I do now is impacting others. I can improve the quality of life for others. I can make this fake world (laughs) a better place for others. So part of me is like, well, who really cares? Because in my experience of reality, my actions do have power. They have Mm -hmm. power to cheer people up. They have power to connect with somebody, right? Like I am connected to you. I haven't seen you in probably over a year, right? But that's not as if we don't exist in each other's lives, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? So that's, that's kind of how I look at it from the, um, from the very top. Now let's bring it back into prayer. Yes, God knows what's going to happen. But again, that doesn't mean that my behavior is without any 
consequence. And I'm not even using consequence in like the negative term. So I'm not saying, well, you know, I'm going to go and shoot somebody because God already knew I was going to do it and he didn't stop me. Like, that's just (laughs) kind of stupid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But okay. So let's say that God knows what the outcome of this war in Ukraine is like, let's take it heavy and deep. Mm -hmm. Okay. God knows the outcome. I don't, but God does. But I absolutely know that if I pray for that situation, the outcome is going to be better than it would be otherwise. So that makes me feel so compelled to pray because I am so convinced that my prayer, yes, we live in a universe with a God who already knows the end from the beginning, but we also live in a universe where our God listens to our prayers and acts um, as a result of our prayers. I firmly believe if I stop praying for Ukraine, things are going to get worse than they actually already are. So that's kind of how I look at it. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you think? No, I think that's a really good way to look at it. I mean, when I think I, I like science fiction, I like thinking about the space time continuum. I like thinking Mm -hmm. about, you know, the dimension of time and what that means. And none of it is known. There's no way we can Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. how things really are outside of the reality that we perceive other than knowing that God is outside of time because he created time he created, or at least he created the time and space as we know it, that he has Mm -hmm. always been in existence and that his existence is separate from our our little planet, our little Mm -hmm. universe compared Mm -hmm. to him. And so, like you said, of course he knows what will happen. I mean, my personal belief is that he's already there. And, you know, that probably says that in the Bible that he's already there and already, you know, he, he goes before us, he comes up behind us and he walks beside us. But, um, but that doesn't negate the fact that, like you said, if we choose not to pray, Mm -hmm. then that prayer doesn't open up that pathway from the kingdom exactly to come (laughs) into this world, thy kingdom come. And, you know, Jennifer Kennedy Dean, who passed away tragically a couple of years ago, um, the way she talks about it is prayer. I'm going to butcher it, but you can go back and listen to our episode with her. You can search for Jennifer Kennedy Dean. She talks about how prayer is like reaching up through our prayers and like pulling pieces of the kingdom, like power from the kingdom of God into our present reality through the fabric of reality. Mm -hmm. And I love Mm -hmm. that because that is so true that we are, you know, if we don't open that door, if we don't stand in the gap Mm -hmm. there, then, then that, that is kingdom power that will not have come into earth. As it is in absolutely. Heaven. I love picturing us as the prayers in the gap because mm-hmm. God is divine. God is spiritual and we're here on a physical earth that is bound by time. And our prayers are what allow us to, um, invite God in to interact. So that's how it is for me. So for, for this, like I treat it as like an interesting, intellectual discussion, but it doesn't discourage me from prayer. But for some people it does. It, it's like, okay, God's already going to do what he's going to do. Right. We talked about it before. Do you remember? I forget which episode, but 
this idea of like when your kid comes and asks you for something and like, mom, I know you're going to say no, but can I please go play with so-and-so? And like, what a rude way that is to approach your parent. Yes. <laughs> and yet sometimes we approach God that way. Um, another thing that I feel like really helps open your minds to this is recognizing that God doesn't just know our future. He knows the contingencies. He knows all of the would haves and all of the what ifs. And I'm convinced of that based on what Jesus says in Matthew, where he says, okay, if Sodom and Gomorrah saw the miracles that you're seeing today, they would have repented. And so for me, that is verifiable biblical proof that God doesn't just know what will happen. He knows what would have happened. And I want to live a life so that what would have happened if I weren't born would have made the world a lot worse of a place. Do you know what I mean? Because God knows those contingencies as well. And like, I feel like the very worst feeling would be you get to heaven and God gives you a picture of all the things that might've happened had you prayed differently or all the things that might've happened had you witnessed more like that thought terrifies me because that would Mm -hmm. be so heart-wrenching because I think it's really sad when Christian women feel helpless and hopeless and like their life doesn't make any difference at all. And some people are kind of living in that defeated sort of place. And if you could just see, like if God could open your eyes and, you know, you could have the, it's a wonderful life experience where, you know, the angel shows you what life would have been like if you hadn't prayed the way you've been praying, Mm -hmm. Um, go ahead and use your your imagination here. Think about the worst case scenario. If you hadn't prayed for this, that, and the other thing, what horrible things might've happened in your family or in the world and use that as encouragement to keep on praying and to never feel powerless. Yes. And, you know, I just, I feel like that is a powerful exercise to go through, you know, Mm -hmm. just to, Mm -hmm. to be able to without taking it to the extreme of constantly feeling regret and guilt, but of pushing you forward into yeah, action and into prayer, feeling motivating more mm-hmm. than guilt inducing, um, you know, yeah. and speaking about kind of time, right. Cause you and I kind of are geeky right. <laughs> in that Sorry, sense. Guys. I sort of figure in the same way that I talk about like, what if the world was just a simulation, you know, like, okay, so what if time doesn't exist at all? which arguably it, it kind of doesn't, who cares? Because my experience of time is my experience of time. It's real. We operate within the confines of our perception of time. Yeah. I know that if I were to eat a gallon of ice cream now, that in two hours, I would feel really, 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 really miserable. Therefore I know that sure time might not really exist in a way that my mind doesn't fathom, (laughs) But my body here on earth recognizes that two hours after I eat a gallon of ice cream, I'm going to really, really regret it. And so again, it's just a reminder that our actions, our prayers have so much power to influence even huge grand scale things and the things that are, you know, pertaining to us. So we talked about prayers for Ukraine. Think about prayers for your family. There's nobody who's going to pray for your family like you can ever, period. And so your prayers are probably the most important thing that is protecting your family from harm. 
from falling away from the Lord, from falling into temptation, from having, you know, like tragedy strike. So take it seriously and, and recognize, sure, God's outside of time. God already knows the end, but right now we're living in a quote reality where we don't know the end and God has dictated it so that our prayers can change all of the would have outcomes. So pray (laughs) and keep praying. Hashtag just pray. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We should uh, make a tote bag with that or something. That'd be pretty cute. Oh yeah, boy, that would be cute. (laughs) For those of you that don't know, we do have a tote bag that has that on it. You can go to prayingchristianwomen.com slash shop and find our tote bags and mugs. pray. Yeah. 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 We're just pray. Um, yeah, no, I think that's great. And, um, I mean, it kind of goes along into the next question, which is, does God already know what we want before we ask for it? So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're talking about changing things, but you know, if the question, if God does God know what we need and what we want, um, and I think it's biblical, that he actually mm-hmm. does already know mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the question yeah. being, if he already knows what we want, um, what is the purpose? And when I read that kind of facet of the same question, it just makes me think of the point that prayer is not an activity. It's not a to-do list checker offer. It's mm-hmm. the relationship that we have with God. Absolutely. And it's not a vending machine. And it's right? not like- a vending machine <laughs> or a cosmic Santa or yeah. any of that. Um, so Absolutely. like if yeah. you ask your kid, what do you want for your birthday? It's going to be very rare that their answer will probably surprise you, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. even if you couldn't have known exactly, like, it's not going to surprise you, but that doesn't mean that you don't have that conversation. Like, how rude would it be if you said, hey, your birthday's coming up. Is there anything special you want? And your kid was like, well, you already know me. So you kind of already know what I like. Do you know what I mean? Like, and Mm -hmm. so that's how I treat that one. But that's one that got me as a kid because, okay, I knew... Bible specifically says your heavenly father knows what you need before you ask him. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of in a kid's mind begs the question, well, then why should I bother to ask him in the first place? Mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's more about in that, in that case, I do think it's more about building the relationship with the Lord. And it also is, well, sometimes if you don't ask, you don't receive. So even if he knows what you're going to ask, he also knows if you're not going to ask for it. Do you get what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. the, the logic there is faulty because if we say, okay, God knows what I'm going to ask before I ask for it. So I'm not going to ask for it. Well, then God knows that you wouldn't have asked for it. (laughs) Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like it, it's convoluted, but you know, you want a cheeseburger and your mom says, if you ask me for a cheeseburger, I'll give you a cheeseburger. And then you get mad at mom because she didn't give you a cheeseburger. But mom's like, well, you didn't ask me for a cheeseburger, but then you're like, but you should have known I wanted the cheeseburger. Right. Like that's, it's, it's a little bit of still, I don't want to say silly. Cause I think that is a real question that we encounter, but it's fallacious logic. So yeah, God knows what you're going to ask for before you ask it. And so therefore you better ask for it or else you might not get it. And that's clear too. And James, you do not have, because you do not ask. Yep. And I, th- I think that that, that is kind of the key. And, and even just looking, if you need more convincing about why we should come to God with our requests, 
Jesus told us, like, this is how you should pray mm -hmm. our father yeah. in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then it talks about asking, give us this day, our daily bread. Mm -hmm. And if he knew that we needed it, which he knows he made us yep. creatures that have to eat maybe yep. not every day, but a lot. And you know, it, he knows it, but Jesus says that that is how we should pray that that's one of the facets mm -hmm. of prayer. And so if you need an, any reason you can just say, well, because Jesus modeled that for us. Absolutely. Um, yeah. but it just really does like everything that I, you know, I find that regardless, so often prayer and the power of prayer is not even in what comes out of it, but what goes into it yeah, and what comes exactly. through it and that relationship that is forged by it. And, mm -hmm. you know, but I would not go so far as to say, oh, prayer is just for us. Prayer is just to change right. us, you know, because I don't believe that either. Like you said, mm -hmm. prayer mm -hmm. changes the world. It brings kingdom power into yeah. this reality from God's reality. Absolutely. And so, yeah, yeah but there is that element of developing and cultivating a relationship, um, learning disappointment, learning humility, learning what mm -hmm. we need versus what we want. Cause I think sometimes yeah. we think that there's something that we need and mm -hmm. God knows otherwise and knows that we need just the opposite. Right. So, you know, I think of, we had our whole episode on plants and gardening mm -hmm. two mm -hmm. episodes, even on how prayer is like gardening and how our spiritual lives are like plants. Mm -hmm. And one of the things is that plants would die or actually plants would probably many plants would fail to propagate if it weren't for drought times, or if it mm -hmm. weren't for, you know, like I think of the, the trees that, um, it's the evergreens. It's a type of, of evergreen that it needs fire to release the seeds of its mm. pine cones. Okay. Um, and so, you know, there are times I think God teaches us so much through nature and through the things Absolutely. around us and how he's designed the world. Mm -hmm. And so if we need to learn anything, we need to learn that pain is necessary sometimes to birth good things, yeah. whether it's childbirth, whether it's yeah. a tree, if you coddle a plant, the roots don't grow very deep because they don't right. have to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. All of those things. I'm with you. It's a huge peeve of mine when people say, oh, well, prayer is just for you, right? But in the case of like praying for your daily bread, I would say, yeah, a lot of it is so that you don't take it for granted, so that you are reminded mm -hmm. how reliant you are on the Lord. My hope for everybody listening is that you have food for the day and food for your family, yes. right? Like, I hope nobody is going to an empty cupboard and worrying, but even if you are like God sees you and still promises to provide for you. Now it's harder to not take God's provision for granted. If your fridge is full and there's stuff in the pantry and you know that you could not go to the store for a week or two and, and not have any massive discomfort from it. Right. So in this case, like praying for our, our needs and praying, like God taught us to, you know, give us this day, our daily bread. I think there is an element of it changes us because it helps us to be grateful. It helps us to remember how reliant we are on God. It keeps us humble and it 
it also shows us like, you know how sometimes you might go six months without getting sick and then you get a flu and you're like, oh God, I wish I had prayed more that I could stay healthy, (laughs) right? It's kind of like that, but like with our very, very basic provision needs, right? Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to get to the point where there's nothing in the cupboards and like, oh, I wish I had been praying for all these years when I had enough food for God to provide. So some of it's for that too, but yeah, it, it keeps us humble and reliant on God to pray for our needs. And like we talked about with, you know, the kid and the parent, it helps our relationship, right? Like you're not going to withhold a birthday present from your kid because they didn't ask you for it the right way, but those can still be fun conversations to have, right? Like you're going to get them a present regardless. (laughs) And you probably already have a kind of decent feeling of what kind of present you're going to get them. But that conversation or two that you get to have about it is a relationship builder. So some of it's about that too. Yeah. And, you know, I've listened to two audiobooks in the last month, probably where a key part of the testimony of the woman writing the book in both cases, the women writing the books had to do with poverty in childhood Mm -hmm. and a praying mom who prayed for Mm -hmm. provision. And that that child saw miraculous provision through Mm -hmm. those prayers. And that was a huge shaping factor in that child's faith Mm -hmm. um, who then grew up to become a Christian author who influences many people. So I, you know, there's, there's prayer can also be a way for God to display his power in ways that would not be displayed if we were silent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think it's a great lesson for kids. Nobody wants to raise a spoiled and entitled child. And so showing them, I'm not saying that, um, you know, you must go through seasons of poverty in order to not raise a spoiled and entitled child. But one of the ways to combat (laughs) is by, yeah, regularly showing them prayer. Like Paul said, being content in times of plenty and in times of want, Mm -hmm. you know, absolutely. We just wanted to take a quick break to share about a sponsor of today's episode, Faithful Counseling. Let's face it, life can be hard. It's so important to show up for yourself and your loved ones through all of the struggles life can bring. One way you can do this is by checking in regularly with a Christian therapist. We know not everyone has the time or the money for in-person therapy, but thanks to Faithful Counseling, Christian therapy can be accessible to anyone. You can speak to your counselor by video, phone, or text. Scheduling is so easy, and financial aid is available. I recently started using Faithful Counseling myself, and I admit I had never been to a therapist, and I was kind of nervous about the process. But I was shocked at how easy it was to get started, how convenient it is to communicate with my counselor, and how easy she is to talk to. We would love for you to find out for yourself how beneficial Christian counseling can be. So our sponsor, Faithful Counseling, is offering you 10% off your first month when you use our special link at faithfulcounseling.com slash praying. So there's another, was that all that? you had on that or did you want to expound so. anymore on those yeah. we have another question the other couple of questions i guess but uh so another question was this is from one of my kids if god works in all things 
why not just go ahead and do what you want and pray for God to work in that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be fair, as long as the thing isn't directly a sin, I think there's a tiny bit to that, right? Like, yeah, in some cases. Yeah. Now, obviously this isn't an excuse to go out and do something that the Bible has labeled specifically a sin. Um, And we see that, you know, in Paul's writing, should we sin so that God's grace can abound more? No, not at all. Um, That's kind of like saying, well, if my husband would forgive me, if I had an affair, shouldn't I just go out and have an affair or two? Like that's really, really a silly way of looking at it because it's not about what I am allowed to do. And it's not about what would make somebody stop loving me. It's about, do I want to hurt my relationship this way? Do I No, not, not even close. Like there's no desire there for something like that. So anytime the question is like, is this sinful or not? I think that, okay, first of all, yes, certain activities are sinful and and boom, there's your answer. Beyond that, I think a better question should be like, is this the best? Is this going to glorify God? You know, getting away from the cosmic referee up there, you know, putting a tally every time you make a mistake Mm -hmm. and more about just, is this going to make God happy? And I think, you know, thinking of a healthy marriage is a good way to look at it. If I don't do the laundry today, is Scott going to divorce me? No. Is it going to benefit him if I make sure that there there are clean clothes for us to wear? Yeah. So it's not really about what can I get away with without it being like something that would destroy my marriage, (laughs) right? Like imagine if everybody went into marriage with that mindset, like, okay, let's see how much I can get away with. Mm -hmm. But instead was like, okay, let's see how good we can make our relationship, you know? And I think when we treat God more from that, not with what's permissible and what's he going to eventually forgive me for doing and more about like, what's going to make our relationship as strong as possible that can really help guide us through a lot of those types of questions. I think so too. One thing that came to mind in this was Jonah though. I was thinking, so Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. And he was clearly told by God to do something that he didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Jonah was a prophet. He was, you know, it's, it's hard. That goes back to our conversation about discerning the will of God, because mm-hmm. there are times when God does call us to do the hard thing or the thing that mm-hmm. we don't want to do the thing that isn't easy. Um, and if you do feel God calling you to do something that you'd rather not do. I could just see, it could be tempting to say, uh, but you know what? God's not going to let me make a mistake. I'm not going to yeah. do this and, and I'm just not going to do it. And, and he'll, he'll work it out. Well, with Jonah, he did work it out, but it, it cost a lot of trouble. You know, there, mm-hmm. it caused, it caused, uh, you know, horrible storm and Mm -hmm. inconvenience and delay. And, you know, even in the end, Jonah delivered his message and he was not really all that happy about the outcome. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like he followed God's will and had a happy ending necessarily. He was pretty upset about it. And, but is it the right thing to do to ignore Mm -hmm. God in that case, just because you believe, oh yeah, well, you know, God sent a big fish to swallow Jonah and put him where he wanted to be in the end. Um, 
that was not a good process for Jonah, you know, and no, <laughs> um, we don't know what the parallel might be in our own lives if we so I do believe that there are times like when there are things that you want to do that aren't necessarily um, overtly sinful, but they're going they're sinful because they're going against what you know God is calling you to do. Mm -hmm. But it's really hard to know what that is. That's that's the key is when you start that. So well, you have to start on the foundation. If you know, God is really calling you to do something that you would mm -hmm. rather not do. You should not just do what you want and think God will work it out. Um, but taking that a step further back, deciding whether that thing that you feel like God is asking you to do that you would rather not do. Um, it's important to go through all the proper steps to decide that and make sure that you're not going into it with a stoic mindset of, well, God must want me to do this because it's the painful thing, or it's the thing I right. don't like to do. So mm -hmm. that was a conversation we had in our, um, in our episode about this prayer and decision-making. So if you want to mm -hmm. go back and, and listen to that, but anyway, but just to make sure that there are times, I think that there are things that we would rather not do where it's not okay either way. And God really does probably have a preference of, you know, if he's calling you to something specific that you're not, uh, you know, to make sure that you're not just going with the flow and doing the thing you want to do because it feels more right. comfortable or because you feel more peaceful about it. That's the other thing that we have discussed is, mm -hmm. well, if I have peace about it, then it must be the right thing. Well, there are times, you know, where I know we've been in situations where we've been, um, I'll put on the table, the idea of having to move, um, yeah. to, to Alaska. I didn't have peace about that at first. I was like, no, I don't mm. have peace. I don't want to move. I'm happy here. We're serving in the church here. Um, yeah. And I didn't really want to do it, but after, you know, further investigation, um, it just, it felt like God was giving us some answers that led to us making the decision to go, even if it wasn't the easy thing. And if mm -hmm. we had just stayed because it would have been the path of least resistance, I believe that we would have missed something. And but would it have been a sin or would it just have been not the best? And that's a good question. That's a good question mm -hmm. because, you know, uh, what is the definition of sin? I mean, it, it with Jonah, he was Jonah sins, Jonah directly disobeyed. Yes. So that's but, why it's hard is if God was leading us to, and that's the question. Was he leading us? Was it a directive or was it a choice that we made? That's, that's the hard thing about us, about we who are not prophets or Moses or, you know, Abraham, Abram hearing God audibly, or, you know, in a situation where the history of God's people hinges on our obedience mm -hmm. is it's hard to decide or know or discern. Yeah. So. It is. That's why, like, for me, I think more of sin is something that goes specifically against a command in scripture. And there's a lot of areas where, yeah, you could still make a decision that's not as good of a decision and not have it really be a sin. But again, you know, it might just be a semantics argument at it this could point. Be. It could but be. But 
you know, my thought is, okay, if I really feel like God wants me to step up and volunteer in the nursery, but then I just talk myself out of it. I don't necessarily see that I have committed a sin. I would go so far as to say, yeah, if, if God was showing me multiple times and I truly did feel like it, yeah, some people would for sure call that a sin. Some people I think would maybe just call that uh, the, the less good decision. Avoidant <laughs> <know>. behavior. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, there, you know, people talk about sins of omission, you know, like, Hmm. but yeah, if I forget to pray before I go to bed, I don't, I don't see that I've sinned. I just see that I've made the choice that hasn't helped my relationship with God as much as another choice would. So I don't know, you know, again, that might just be, um, a nuance in vocabulary, but it might be, be more because, what if what you're saying is that, okay, well, if God's putting it on your heart to do something like Jonah and you don't do it, that's like a sin with a capital S. And if I'm saying, well, it's probably not the best choice, but it's not unless it goes inherently against something in scripture. Scripture doesn't say, Alana, you must be in the Sunday school room every third Sunday. I don't know. This is an interesting, I'm I'm getting nervous that we're getting really uh, in murky mud here, but it's interesting Well, I mean, as long as we hold it up that we don't know the answer, but I think either way, whether it's sin or not, I think if there is a thing that God actually is calling you to, and we can't decide that for you, we have to figure out ourselves the jonah effect of Uh basically taking the long way around to get to where it is that god wants you if he is going to continue to move you in that direction like he did for jonah Mm -hmm. it's going to be painful so i think the point is that's a good yeah if you feel strongly god's nudging you in a direction and you knowingly say no and Mm -hmm. stay back because you're not excited about it or you're fearful Mm -hmm. of it, or you just flat out don't want to do it. You will probably miss out on blessing and, or find that there is a level of discomfort or some Let's drive it home even more, Jamie. Some people people might end up in hell because you were disobedient. You know, like I, I would go so far as to say that, like God does not, God never promises that he will treat all of us like Jonah and send a fish to get us back on track every single time. Because I have seen firsthand Christians make that assumption where they're like, well, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. God can stop me if he needs to. And sure, in Jonah's case, that was kind of Jonah's attitude. And that's how it ended up. Um, What about all the other times, right? Again, let's go back. Like God knew that Sodom and Gomorrah would have repented if this, that, and the other thing could happen. And so like Mm -hmm. some people, I think, get so caught up in God's fatalism that they're like, well, if God wants this person to be saved, he'll send me. And if you do, if I don't go, he'll send somebody else. And if that person right. doesn't go, but I mean, think about God and I forget which prophet he's like, I kept looking for somebody and there was nobody. Yeah. 
there is a t- like God does not promise that every single person who might have been saved had they heard the gospel is going to be saved because look at Sodom and Gomorrah. He specifically says if this had happened, they would have repented. And so I think we need to be super careful using a story um, like Jonah because I think it gives some people too many excuses to be really stubborn. Oh, mm-hmm. well, you know, I'm not going to do it today, but if God circles back to it and sends me the big fish, then that means that God willed it to happen. Okay. Mm. He might do that. And like you said, it's going to cause you a lot of pain that you could have avoided, but even worse is, okay, well then maybe he just runs out of people to send Mm. and that's terrible. Well, the Bible even says pray for laborers in the field Mm -hmm. to reap the harvest because yeah. the harvest is plentiful and the laborers yeah. are few. Mm-hmm. That's humbling. And that reinforces yeah. that same concept of there is eternal consequence for yep. our lack of prayer at the very Absolutely. least. Absolutely. Whether and our lack of obedience. And our lack of lack we, of obedience as laborers and our pumping. lack of prayer as prayer warriors. Wow. Yeah. That's powerful. That's humbling. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, like I, if we're going to be talking about pet peeves, (laughs) you know, one is this idea of like, well, prayer is just to change you because God already knows what he's going to do. No prayer changes like the world prayer changes the outcome of events. Mm -hmm. Another peeve is, oh, well, if God wants this person to be saved, he'll send somebody, it might be you. And if you don't want to do it, it might be Joe. And if Joe doesn't want to do it, it might be Mary. And if Mary doesn't go, maybe he'll send a whale and Mary will have to go. And if Mary doesn't go, eh, maybe he'll just give the person a dream and they'll get saved. Could he do that? Absolutely. He could do that. But Mm -hmm. There was so much urgency, right? Like how can somebody hear without somebody preaching to them? And how can somebody preach to them unless they are sent? And if we all get as stiff-necked as Jonah and we're like, oh, well, if God really wants me to go, then he'll stop me from doing this so that I can do that instead. There's no guarantee that God is going to keep on adding opportunities like ad nauseum. Mm. Yeah. It's a hard pill to swallow and it, it should be pretty sobering for us. Mm -hmm. So on that happy note, have a great week, everybody. That's right. Or maybe not. Maybe uh, let's end with the good news. The good news is that our prayers can influence world events. Our prayers can Mm -hmm. cover our family. Our prayers can prevent disaster on a national or global level, or just on a personal level. And we can take so much comfort knowing that. And again, like talking about preemptive prayers, a great prayer to pray would be like, God, show me what I should pray so that I don't have prayer regrets. You know, like Mm -hmm. every so often you're like, oh no, I should have prayed for this person while they were doing that. Right. Like if you pray, God, show me, like, show me what to pray so that I can live my life without any regrets. That's, that's a pretty powerful life to start living. It is. Well, I just want to, uh, I don't know, do we, if we want to close, I just want to pray just now for the, the harvest, for the workers, for us, um, you want to do that now and then close up, or do you want to just close with prayer? 
Yeah, let's close with some prayer for, you know, for these things that we've we've talked about. Prayer for the people who would respond to the gospel if only somebody mm-hmm. got off their took us and went to them. And like I I feel kind of bad for getting <laughs> like I hope you don't think I'm mad at you, Jimmy. Like I feel like I'm sounding kind of angry. <laughs> like no. it's just there, but there is such an urgency there. there and is. yeah, we are told to pray for God to send out workers. And I hate to see people not respond to that call because they're like, oh, well, just like Jonah, God will send me at some other point or God will send somebody else if I don't go. Sure. He's, he's a God of miracles and wonders and mercy. But what about the people in Nineveh who died between the day that Jonah might've gotten there and the day he actually got there? Right. What about those people? Um, So there is a sense of urgency for sure. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's pray. All right. God, we just come before you humbly. We just acknowledge that you are sovereign and that you have chosen us for whatever reason to partner with you through prayer in bringing your kingdom here on earth, in saving souls by preaching the word so that they can hear it and respond in faith and be regenerated by the Holy Spirit. God, we just, we don't understand most of it, to be honest, but we believe it and we stand on your word as ultimate truth. And we just pray, God, that you would just stoke the fires in us, help us to sense the urgency of being those harvesters in our sphere of influence, whatever that looks like of being the prayers, the prayer warriors that will pray those harvesters to be mobilized, to reap that harvest of fruit for your kingdom. God, they're there. You said in your word, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Sometimes it feels like we're, you know, working in futility to bring the gospel to people or that nobody wants to hear it, but that is not what you say in your word, that they are there and that what we see on the outside doesn't necessarily reflect what's going on in their hearts. I believe it's the people that seem the most hardened and hopeless that are the most ready to hear the gospel and respond in faith. So open our eyes, God, lift that veil of blindness from us to be able to see those people. Lift the veil from those people that are just ready to hear and respond. Send people to them, God, in Jesus name, send out people who will proclaim the gospel and and who will be there to usher your kingdom in so that souls will be saved. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you give it to us, that we live in a time where we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us and guiding us and teaching us and interceding on our behalf, teaching us to pray. Lord, that we have the fulfillment of scripture. We have the Bible that we can hold in our hands. God, we just, we don't want to take any of that for granted. And we just pray that you would use all of those things and use us in whatever way you see fit to bring your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. 
Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.